Good evening. Won't it be amazing? The first time we'll get to stand before the great I am and bow before him. He truly is holy and he deserves all of the reverence, the praise and the worship that we could ever offer him. And then at the same time, he also calls us to be holy and the high calling that he offers to us. We'll read about that high calling tonight in just a few moments. It's truly been a good day. I know several here are more tired tonight than what you normally are on a Sunday evening. And it's a good tired. It's been wonderful to to go around and to see the various works that have been done. It's wonderful to hear people talk about. We had more helpers than what we thought we'd have. It, it, It turned out better than what we thought it would. Uh, It's wonderful when we work with God. There's no greater partnership than whenever we join hands with God and walk with Him uh, through our days and through our life. You know, none of us here have seen everything that took place today. And as we did this a few years ago, it kind of dawned on us that that's somewhat sad because there's so much good and only most only see one particular area, one particular work. So before we begin our lesson... I want to read to you a list of places where people within these walls went out and served God or served the community this afternoon in a way to give glory to God. And, and I want to remind you, I know it's on your bulletin, but we're about to watch a video that's just simple clips of, of many of the places. And of course, by no means is it, is it all the people. There are many places that uh, when we were filming this, we arrived either too early or too late because it's just too many miles between 12 places uh, to be at everywhere uh, at the prime time, if you will. But, but think about this list and then in just a moment, uh, we'll watch this video. Lakeview Elementary School was benefited today uh, and to God be the glory. The Mount Juliet Public Library, the Mount Juliet Police Department's firing range, Uh, The Teddy Bear Workshop, a great success. The Mount Juliet Public Works, the road cleaning crew. uh, The 30-somethings class cleaned up three miles of Belinda uh, City Parkway. Belinda Parkway, a tremendous work there done. The Providence Place uh, was was visited and Heartside was visited and Heartland Place. And then also pamphlets were mailed out uh, to over 100 individuals that have lost someone uh, here in the Mount Juliet congregation, uh, in the Mount Juliet community, and uh, it's a pamphlet about grief and a letter uh, letting them know that we're thinking of them, that we're prayerful for them, and and also the Mount Juliet Middle School, the Stoner Creek Elementary School, and then also Rutland Place. And uh, let's let's not only enjoy what we're about to watch, but let's make sure that we truly are thankful to God and thankful to each other that God's work can be done in this way in this place. You're the God of this city You're the King of these people You're the Lord of this nation You are You're the light in the darkness You're the hope to the hopeless You're the peace to the restless You are There 
For greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done in this city. Greater things have yet to come, and greater things are still to be done in this city. Back in the summer, 
during vacation Bible school, on that particular Wednesday night, uh, we all came together, uh, of course, in, as a part of Summer Faith, but also as part of, of Vacation Bible School, our classes met together. And I don't know if you'll remember, but on that particular night, those of you that were in the auditorium that night, we studied in Second Kings, the fourth chapter, and we studied about the value of life. And along with that, we talked about how we value our days and and do you remember the Oreo illustration? Does you, you remember that? We'll, we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But as we studied that, there were three supportive passages that we studied quite a bit uh, that night also. In Psalms 90 and verse 12, to number our days. Teach us to number our days that we would have a heart of wisdom. And then also Ecclesiastes, the 7th chapter, that it's better to go in the house of mourning, that would be a funeral, than, than to the house of fast feasting, that would be a celebration because that is the end of all men and the wise will take it to their heart. In other words, what we're taught over and over in the scriptures is that when we value, in other words, when we realize that things are limited, that they're not endless, then we value them and we use them more wisely. And so then we studied that night, really more just reading it, if you will, quickly, uh, Ephesians, the fifth chapter. And what I'd like to do is, is I'd like for us to just kind of camp out right here. And, and if you, you have your Bible, open Ephesians 5. Pretty much every verse that we'll be reading tonight is Ephesians 5. And, and, uh, and well, the book of Ephesians and the Bibles uh, that are in the pews, it's 1,040, 1,040. And when we studied this, I really wanted to go back and study more of how this particular teaching falls within the book here of Ephesians. And so tonight, as, as we're thinking of the broader theme of the day, of us going out and being an influence, in other words, it's, it's not just about one special day. It's about finding a way in our life, in the things that we choose to say, in the things that we choose to do. It's about our daily behavior that we realize that, that we can be salt and we can be light. But here in this particular passage, he doesn't necessarily teach it as that. In this particular passage, he just continues to talk about a walk. There is a daily walk that we owe to Christ because of what Christ has done for us. And if we'll do that, the saltiness and the light will take care of itself. And so I'd like for us to read this and then come back and, and refer to that illustration and see how it falls here. Notice here in verse, in verse 15. See then... This is Ephesians 5, 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Here's the phrase. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We talked that Wednesday night about redeeming the time. Do you look at your days and waste them because you believe that they're like a large pack of Oreos. And you might notice these look like they've been opened. I wonder who did that. And, and when you have a pack this size, you really don't think anything about saying, hey, hey, you want, a, you want an Oreo? But yet when you have the six in a pack of the little convenient size, you remember you eat one and you think, I only have five. You eat the third one, they're half gone. And you eat the fifth one, and, and it, you can't help but it go through your mind, 
I only have one more left. And, and the whole idea is, what do you do with your days? Do, do you see your days as if they're endless, where you say, oh, sure, you want one? I, I can do whatever. I, I mean, I'm not on any kind of tight schedule. I, I, I don't, I'm on fall break. What does it matter? What do you want to do? How do you view your days? How do you view your opportunities? This past weekend, I used this particular illustration and on Friday. And on Saturday morning, uh, a woman came up to me and she had this. And of course, it was brand new when she handed it to me. She had this with a bow wrapped around it. And she said, I just want to give you this. And, and she talked about what it meant to her to be able to think now of the value of each opportunity and the value of each day. And, and what I'm about to tell you, this is a true story now. I mean, I'm not, I'm not embellishing this like Griff said the other day, but I'm not embellishing this. is true. And so flying back last night, we had quite an ordeal uh, getting back home. And so uh, I met a gentleman on the plane because when you end up sitting there for twice as long as what you should be sitting there for about six or seven hours, you kind of get to know people. And, and so I met a gentleman on the plane, the, the son of an ambassador, and uh, grew up all over Europe. And now he lives in, in uh, Canada and very successful uh, engineer and just, just a really interesting guy to talk with. Very friendly, very family oriented, just a really interesting guy. And, and we were sitting there, and finally after about, uh, we had to come back in for an unscheduled landing in Colorado Springs, and so now we've been there for about three or three and a half hours on the plane already, and we still had a ways to go because we didn't know when we were taking off again. And so I'm working on Sunday morning sermon, and, and, uh, and so as I reach in my backpack to get another uh, book out, I notice these cookies are in there. And we've been together, and I just, I just mentioned to him, I said, I kind of opened my backpack, and I said, would you want a cookie? And, and he said, yes, I'm starving. He said, I didn't know we were going to be on this flight so long. Now, without even thinking, you know what I said? I pulled him out and said, have all you want. It's a big pack. And after I said that, it dawned on me where I got these. I mean, that was the illustration, wasn't it? I mean, if it had been a little convenient pack, I'd probably said, I'll split them with you, three, three. <laughs> you know? But there... There is something huge, there's something significant to realizing that not only does the Lord call us to a walk, but there is great value in this walk. And so then the question is, do you value it? Do you realize what God has given you and do you make the most of it? Every day we have the opportunity to be saltiness. Do you value that opportunity? Every day we have the opportunity to be light. Do you value that opportunity? Did you notice in the verse that we just read in verse 15? Did you notice that he said, see then? That's interesting. Usually when Paul would put a phrase like that in his writings, it's usually the phrase, therefore. But here, instead of therefore, he put see then. Now you remember what therefore is for. You, you stop anytime you read it. And you see what it's there for, because it always links what has been talked about with what is about to be talked about. And so he's doing the same thing with see then. In other words, now he has been talking for quite some time about something, and he gets to this point and he says, it's almost as if he's saying, now if you understand all this that I've just said, see then, you see that? See then that you carry it out in this certain way. Well, how, how do you want me to carry it out? 
I want you to walk very carefully. I do not want you to walk as foolish people. They're not careful and they're wasteful. I want you to walk as the wise. I want you to redeem the time because the days are evil. Now, what does all of that mean? It's all tied into the theme that goes all the way back to the fourth chapter in verse 1, where really everything throughout from 4-1 through here is built on, on a skeleton, if you will, of an outline of walk. And so for just a moment, if you have your Bible, I'd like for us to scan a few things about the walk so that we can see when we come to this point, and he says, see then, we can say along with Paul, I see. I see what you expect of me. And then, and then the test is ours. Once we see, are we going to carefully do it as wise people or are we going to waste the opportunity? In the fourth chapter in verse 1, and and we studied this not too long ago in a lesson here. So let's mention the fourth chapter in verse 1 quickly. Notice what he says about walk. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So now we have this worthy calling. Why is it worthy? Well, what is it worth? What did it cost for you and I to be able to become a Christian and walk that Christian life? It costs the blood of Jesus Christ. And so now Paul is challenging us to say, are you walking worthy of that calling? That's what it costs. Are you doing it? And so he's laid out this challenge to us. And so let's say we say, I want to accept the challenge, but Paul, I need you to clarify for me. What, what is this walk? If I'm going to walk it worthily, what is it going to be expected of me? And so he immediately begins talking about Uh, humility and the type of attitude that would be built around humility that would lend itself to unity. Look in verse 2. With all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering and forbearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And so he lays out four characteristics here. Things like humility and gentleness and long-suffering and forbearing with one another. All of those are attractive to other people. In other words, they build unity because they promote serving others. Everybody that went out this afternoon with the right heart and the right mindset went out in humility. It's the idea to say, I value others and, I, and I'm willing to serve and I don't want to receive the glory. I want God to receive the glory. And that's the kind of unity, that's the kind of attitude that will build unity first and foremost with the Spirit of God and then among God's people. What is this? This is the walk. This is the worthy walk that we are called to do. Now, when we see this walk, we see that it's, it's not just a casual walk in any direction. We see that there's a focus. There is a destination to this walk. Look in verse 13 and verse 15. In verse 13, he says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, here we are, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then in 14, he talks about, now, see, he just said, think about a timeline, and we have the stature of the fullness of Christ, and, and here we are, and, and we are on a walk, and that is our destination. We're wanting to be the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know, when you measure little children, and, and they try to stand as tall as they can, and maybe on their tiptoes, and maybe they arch their back, what are they doing? They're trying to reach a measure. Do we have that same kind of uh, desire? Do we have that same kind of drive to say, here I am in life, and every day is valuable, and I'm going to make sure that my walk is leading me towards that measure? The problem is, the next verse, it's easy to remain childlike. It's easy to remain uh, immature. And so in 14, he tells us no longer be children. And then in 15, he says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. Now notice along this journey, we are growing up 
and all things into him who is Christ. This walk is supposed to entail every aspect of our life. Listen, I can't go on vacation and leave Jesus at home and be walking the walk that I'm supposed to be walking. I can't go to work and leave Jesus at home and be walking the walk that I'm supposed to be walking. I'm supposed to be growing up in all things unto Him. Now notice that word growing. Imagine if you will, you look out and you see four trees in your yard in the wintertime. And then spring comes and you, you see three of them having new growth. Little buds of, of green leaves coming out of them. And you look at those three and you naturally think they're alive. And you look at the one that is not and you immediately think it's dead. I know this is an obvious question, but let me ask you. Why do you think that one's dead? Because it is not growing. A lack of growth reveals death. And so here, we're on this walk, but this walk is always in a specific journey with a specific focus. In other words, if I'm not moving toward Christ, maturing more like Him, more like the stature of Him, growing in all things like Him, friends, I'm dying. I'm heading in a backwards direction. I'm heading to the left. I'm going to the right. But I'm not going toward life, toward growth. And what are we talking about? Paul's talking about the walk. He says, walk worthy, have that humble attitude, move toward Christ. But then when we do that, you know what sanctified is, to be set apart for the cause of Christ. When we're sanctified, it stops some of the other types of walks. And he addresses that. Look at verse uh, 17. And this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk As the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened. Now let's just pause there. What did we study this morning? The world is in darkness. Their understanding is as the spiritual lights are turned off. I'm 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 not trying to throw rocks at it. We're just being realistic here about what Jesus teaches. Jesus said if we're out in the world, our understanding is in darkness. We really do not know because we do not have light. And you say, how did you get there? And he says, you've stopped walking with the Lord and you started walking with the heathens. And when you walk with the heathens, the light goes out. And now the understanding that you once had, you no longer have. So there is a walk that we are to do. There's a walk that we are not to do. And, and once we avoid what we should not be doing, he gives a list of things that are somewhat areas of morality. See in 25, we're going to stop lying. 26 and 27, we're going to stop having anger uh, that's unresolved. In 28, we're not going to steal. In in 29, we're going to be careful what we say and we're not going to tear people down with our words. And, And we're not going to grieve the Holy Spirit, which is about all this that we're talking about. And in 31, it's back to our words and our actions. And 32, it's about our heart. That we're, we're kind and we're tender-hearted and we're forgiving one another. And keep in mind, it's man that put in the chapter breaks. So ignore the chapter break right here. So he's talked about the way not to walk. And if you're not going to walk like the heathens, here's some things that you're going to take care of. You're not going to lie. You're not going to steal. You're not going to say words that cut people down. That's a bad habit that some people have. There is no reason to ever cut someone down. Never. 
Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Somebody says, well, that's just the way I am. Well, stop walking with the world. You need to turn the spiritual light on and say, I'm going to start walking with the Lord. I understand now that that's a sin. And I understand that to walk with the Lord and to measure to the fullness of Christ, I'm not going to do those things. I can't lie. I can't steal. I can't do those things and say, that's just the way I am. That's the way the world is. And so we have to have this, we have to have this light that we're moving towards. We're walking. And so with that in mind, the very next verse, look, verse, the fifth chapter, verse one, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and what? And walk in love. The Greek word for imitators here is mimic. Any of us that, that have raised a daughter, I can say this and probably everyone here would say, I saw that. You raise a daughter and, and somewhere along, what, maybe 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 months, been a while, okay? Somewhere, somewhere along in that, She's going to walk through the living room and she's not going to have anything but her diaper on and her mother's high heels. Now, why is she wearing her mother's high heels? It's mimicking. It's mimicking. What what do children do? They mimic their parents. And what does he do here? He lays out some very strong words to say, stop walking with the world and start mimicking your father. Imitate your father as children of God. You are a child of God now. Mimic your father. And then you say, okay, what do you want me to do, father? And he says, I want you to walk. We're back to that conduct again. I want you to walk how? I want you to walk in love. Let love be that guiding force that directs our life and everything. He talks about that for the next few verses. And then there's one more paragraph, and that is verse 8. And this goes right along with the theme for today so well. For you were once darkness. Now notice he didn't say you were once in darkness. They were, when we're out in the world, we are darkness. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And he describes the Ephesians version of the fruit of the Spirit. This is how we're going to walk with the Lord. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So now we're walking, and we're walking in light. This morning, we're enlightened. Now we have knowledge of what we are to be and what we're not to be. Now with all of those things in mind, walk worthy, walk in humility, Walk so you measure up to the stature of fullness of Christ. You're growing toward Him at all times. You're separate from the Gentiles. You're cleaning up the act morally because you want to follow and imitate your God. You're walking in love. You're walking in light. And now notice the very next verse, 15. See then, do you have all that? See then that you walk circumspectly. He says, okay, I've laid out the facts. Now the question is, Are you willing to do it and to do it carefully? Circumspectly is carefully place every foot. This smooth carpet, generally you and I do not have to walk around in a room like this and look down. We we understand it's it's smooth. You know what that represents? That represents, according to Matthew, the seventh chapter, the broad way into condemnation. It's broad and it's easy. And there's going to be a lot of people to go. But if you and I were on a rocky trail, maybe going up a hill or a mountain, 
And there were rolling rocks and there were little trenches where water has washed out. Now we're going to have to watch where we place every step. Oh, we may look around a little bit, but even if we look around a little bit, we're going to glance down and we're going to glance down at every step. What's God call us to do in Christianity? He calls us to wake up every day and be committed to watching where we place every step. That's what he's calling us to do here. Do you see this walk? The Lord is saying through Paul. And he says, if you see it now, are you willing to watch where you place every step? Someone says, every step? And he says, as wise. Because if you don't, it's going to be like foolish. And the foolish people make a lot of mistakes and get deeper into darkness. And then finally he says, or not finally, but then he moves to saying, redeeming the time. That redeeming is to buy back. In other words, there's value. But did you notice the article, the, redeeming the time? You see, the Greek word time here is not like redeeming a minute or an hour or a day or a week or something in the the chronological order or, or measurements of time in a calendar. That's not the word for time here in the Greek. Instead, it's like an epic or it's like an opportunity. He's saying, he's saying, I want you to buy back the opportunity. In an ancient city in Greece, there was a sculptor that, that made a sculpture and placed it literally in the middle of the city. And this is a true story. Placed in the middle of the city. And it, it was a strong man. And he had wings on his feet. And, and he had a fro of hair in the front that was very full. But halfway back of his head, he was bald from there back. And then instead of just like a short inscription, it had a, a brief dialogue at the bottom of this statue. And, and this dialogue went something like this. Who made me? And he says, Lispus made me. And he said, who am I? And he said, I am Opportunity. Why do you have wings on your feet? Because opportunity comes fleeting towards you. Why do you have a fro lock on the, on, on the front of your head? And he said, so men may grasp it and take advantage of opportunity. Why do you have a bald head in the back part of your head? And he says, because when I pass, man cannot grasp it. You see, in a sense, that's what Paul is trying to show us here. Brethren, do you realize the opportunity we have to walk with the Lord? I know I'm talking to some of the best in Mount Juliet right here. Talking to the committed ones, but still, just a reminder. Verse 14, a wake-up call to wake up. Do you realize the opportunity we have? The opportunity we have tonight when church is over to look over at somebody and give encouragement. The opportunity tonight when you lay your head on the pillow to pray specifically for somebody in this room that you love. The opportunity to pray specifically for the place that you work today and maybe the good that could come out of it. Do you realize the opportunity that you have to serve God tomorrow, whether you're in the community or at work or at school or wherever you may be? Friends, do we recognize what it means to say, not only am I going to walk this way, but I'm going to redeem the time, that opportunity, because it's fleeting. It comes and it goes. And then notice this, because the days are evil. What does that mean? Have you ever considered the fact that if it is not righteous people... 
bringing righteousness to a situation, it's not going to be a holy situation. You considered that? The next time you think that our community ought to be more righteous, what you're actually saying is, we haven't taken advantage of the opportunity to bring righteousness to her. The next time you say your school ought to be more righteous, what you're actually saying is you haven't brought righteousness to your school. There is no family, there's no situation, there's no organization, there is nothing righteous on its own unless righteous people bring the righteousness to it. The days are evil, so redeem the time and place righteousness in the opportunity. Friends, we've got to get righteous people in government. You want to turn Mount Juliet to where it needs to be 5, 10, 15 years from now? You want Tennessee to be where it needs to be 5, 10, 15 years from now? You want America to be where it needs to be? It's not going to happen without righteous people. Brethren, it won't. We're dreaming of fairytale land if we think unrighteous people are going to bring righteousness into situations. And that is exactly, that is exactly what Paul is getting at here. He says, I've been talking to you about walking the walk, but now the question is, are you going to do it carefully? And are you going to realize that there's opportunities and you can make them righteous opportunities or you can just let the evil days have them? It's your choice. I'm not ready to give up on the next generation. I am not ready to look around Mount Juliet, Tennessee and say, what are kids these days? I'm not ready to give up on my state. I'm not ready to give up on my nation. I'm not ready to give up on the idea that families can be holy. I'm not ready to give up on the fact that a congregation can grow and grow and grow and be exactly what God wants it to be. But you know what? None of those things will happen unless righteous men and women take the opportunity by the horns. And Paul... He has spent almost one-third of this book saying, get it right. Get the daily walk right. Carefully place your steps. Because the Christian influence, the salt and the light, it's in our hands. God can truly be our God. He can truly be a God that we can take to this city. But it's up to us. Tonight, I want to see life like the small pack of Oreos. I want to see the advantage and the opportunity of every day. I want to see the value of every relationship. I want to help anyone that I know grow closer to God. But I find myself feeble. And I find myself failing. And I find myself letting opportunities pass. And just as I'm reaching for nothing, I realize I've waited too late again. But I'm not ready to give up. I'm not ready to cash it in. I'm just ready to be more grateful 
and to be more diligent. Tonight, where are you? If there's anything we can help you do to move closer to Christ, that's what we want to do. But please listen to this. Tonight is an opportunity. And like all opportunities, tonight will come and it will go. Please grasp this one. And if you need tonight prayers and you don't even really know all the reasons why, you don't have to give all the reasons. Just come forward and let us know you need prayers. Or if you need prayers for specific things, let's pray. That's what God's people do. We turn to God. If you're not saved, let's be saved tonight. Let's come to the Lord on His terms and let's surrender all to Him. Let's make sure, let's make sure that we look at Satan and not offer him any more of our opportunities. And let's grasp them for God's glory. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand and as we sing.